Welcome to the Why It Works podcast. I'm Joe Kwan, your host. Together, we'll pull back the curtain to reveal the hidden principles behind why things work. Things work for a reason. Let's find out why. I'm so excited to share with you our newest sponsor, Chef Katorski, bringing the private chef experience of Michelin star kitchens to your next dinner or party. I recently had the chance to interview Chef Raf Katorski about what inspires him. Have a listen. You can go to a restaurant and order, I mean, whatever entree it is, but you don't really see what goes into it. You don't really see like how much passion and love we have for something so simple as, I mean, a cucumber. Like cucumbers are amazing right now. There's so many varieties that people have no idea about that. I mean, I, I want people to know. And when I found out, I, it, it was like, I, it's like I learned the, the English language again. You know, there was just a whole nother world of, of beautiful ingredients that I never understood. And I never had even the capacity to, to dream, to, to, to even conceptualize into something that now I have the ability to. And I would love to convey that message to anybody, regardless if they eat my food or not. Yeah. And, and I could definitely sense that in the food that you provided for us. So, you know, my wife and I. To inquire about having a special experience for your next dinner or event, go to www.chef-katorsky.com. That's K-H-U-T-O-R-S-K-Y. Please let them know you are a Why It Works listener. The link and more information, including the rest of the interview, can be found in the show notes for this episode at www.connectioncounselor.com. Here with us today is Neil C. Hughes, but you might know him better as the tech blog writer. He's a tech columnist, number one best-selling author on Amazon, freelance writer, ghostwriter, and podcaster that helps businesses create engaging written and audio content. Neil is based in the UK and works with international clients across five continents. I'm fortunate to be able to call Neil a friend. Besides being a great talent, he's one of the nicest guys I know. And I can't think of too many more people I'd rather have a beer and a burger with. Welcome, Neil, to the Why It Works podcast. And thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Joe. I think the last time we met, we were sharing a Shake Shack in Chicago, which feels like a, a lifetime away. <laughs> well, I am so excited. We get to do a follow-up from our Shake Shack conversation. Um, you know, although we, we live on opposite sides of the Atlantic, I feel we share certain things in common in terms of hosting podcasts, our love of technology, and as you mentioned, our love of Shake Shack. <laughs> so um, how has life changed for you since we last met in Chicago and, and gathered with our little merry band of men and women um, for what may be the last time in a while <laughs> we, we, we get to congregate, but how has life kind of changed for you since then? I think it's changed for everybody so much, hasn't it? But yeah. I remember it was literally the, the weekend that we we parted and went our separate ways. Uh, Chicago went into lockdown. I, I flew home on a plane with about 50 people on it, which was nice to have first-class service at economy prices. I'm not going to lie. But then obviously everything locked down. And then within a couple of weeks, because I do a lot of freelance work, uh -huh. uh, freelance written work for businesses and clients. And of course, over those next few months, what happened was they cancelled a lot of freelancers. They're the first people to go. But as luck would have it, and I know we are going to talk a little bit about luck today, early on in the year, I realised that this was a bit of a weak spot of mine, that I was just freelance tech writer guy. So mm -hmm. I also set up um, a, an additional service to help people launch their podcasts uh, for people that weren't interested in learning how to edit audio files and setting RSS feeds up. And like I said, as luck would have had it, although the written work dried up a little bit during that lockdown period, the podcast work went through the roof because people were sat at home and thinking about doing things differently and wanted to launch their own podcast. So it's been a, a little bit bittersweet, but luckily I've not suffered too much. 
Yeah, I didn't realize that little um, wrinkle and how uh, how that had uh, positively impacted your business. I was aware that you were um, that you were playing in a bunch of different areas. Um, one thing I noticed is, you know, when we had gathered together, there were a lot of people um, in that room whose businesses was were predicated on physically going somewhere or or yeah. being in a room with someone. And similar to you, um, a lot of things got canceled. And what I've seen since then is people's adaptability, right? Like how do you adapt from you thought it was one thing and now that thing is just totally closed off to you. And, and to be frank, some people have adapted better than others, right? Whether it's luck or, you know, timing or whatever. Um, so it's been really interesting to see uh, how people can, can shift uh, with the winds. Have you noticed things uh, with, with your clients and, and other people that uh, you are colleagues with in terms of their adaptability? Um, I think one of the big things that I've noticed, because obviously I host a daily tech podcast, which comes with a whole range of challenges on its own to try and keep up with that kind of oh, yeah. uh, that kind of turnaround. So essentially what I do is I book in 10 guests a week because every single week you can guarantee there will be three or four or even five people that will ring up the last minute and say, Joe's in a meeting, can't make it. Stacy's got a fly to Chicago this afternoon. And it was always a constant battle to keep that daily tech podcast going. But since lockdown, everybody turned up on time. So that was possibly <laughs> one of the positive sides. <laughs> but then I had a nice problem of um, a, a daily tech podcast and 10 guests per week. So I ended up with a bit of a backlog and I was actually releasing more episodes. But uh, yeah, one of the great sides, well, the great side effects of this lockdown was uh, good news for podcasters. People turned up and didn't cancel because they weren't flying anywhere. Oh my gosh. I'll, I'll have to think back after this uh, podcast and see if I've had an uptick on uh, punctuality and <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, attendance. I don't do as many as you, so I, I may not have noticed as readily, but yeah, I could see that. Let's get to know you a little better. Tell us what you do, uh, but break it down as if you were explaining it to a five-year-old. Oh, okay. There's a challenge. Well, essentially, I help businesses and leaders create written and audio content. And by that, on the written content side of things, it could be a CEO or a thought leader that uh, wants to write on loads of topics, but just don't have the time. So I can ghostwrite that content for them by hopping on a call, getting the ideas out of their head. And then also, obviously, I'm a podcaster, and I always like to remove the barrier of technology for anyone. So I'm quite conscious that everybody now can hit a Zoom record, uh, a Zoom recording, whereas a few months ago, everyone hated video conferencing. Now, everybody's doing it. We all know how to record a Zoom call, but how do you create a podcast? And for many people, they don't want to edit audio files. They don't want to set up RSS feeds. So I help them create their own business podcast or or like I said, uh, leadership podcast, whatever that might be. So it's those two areas that I focus on. The third area was I did a lot of event coverage. So I was fortunate to be able to fly around the world covering various tech events, but my air miles have took a, a big dip over the last three months, let's say. Well, what I think is pretty interesting about what you do is um, some people may want to put you in a box and say you're this tech or technology guy, but kind of the way I've you know, grown to see you as, as uh, I've known you over the years, is you're really a communications guy and technology happens to be the pool that you play in. I mean, I don't want to say journalist, that's not the right word, but you really help people. You either communicate what's going on or you help other people communicate what's going on and, and do that in a way that's maybe uh, better than they would if they were just, you know, relying on themselves to do it. I think that's a fair point. And if I was to look back... I think that that stemmed from being in the IT meeting rooms with various other departments. And I would sit there as the development guy would talk in, in the, the high-tech language and everyone else in the room, their eyes were glazing over, everything was going over their head. And I think from that point, it's like nobody else in the room had that kind of awareness. And I'm like, well, I want to be that guy in the middle. I want to be the bridge between the two that can make it easy for anybody to, to kind of understand this and open up opportunities together. And I, I suppose that's kind of stuck with me, really. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, I am so happy you're here today to talk about the topic of luck, and let me tell you why. 
Luck is just one of those kind of slippery and endless debate topics, right? It, it runs the spectrum from some guys have all the luck to there is no such thing as luck and all points in between. I'm reading this great book called The Biggest Bluff by Anna Konnikova uh, on the intersection of skill and chance. And she looks at it through the lens of uh, poker. So Texas uh, No Limit Hold'em, which is you know the most popular poker game these days. Why do you think people have so many different opinions about what luck is, who has it, and who doesn't? Oh, such a great question. And it's a, I suppose it's something that I suffer, well, I struggle with quite a lot too, because on one side, there's one side of me that thinks you make your own look in life and everything that you do is down to yourself. And there is no such thing as luck. But I have had quite a few experiences over the years and through a lot of people I've talked with that I'll probably go into a little bit later that show me that there is certain elements of luck, but you need to be open yourself up to those opportunities and and to just go with it sometimes and not ignore it or walk through life blinkered but uh, what is it does it exist these are such big questions but i'm really not sure i'm curious joe what do you think on the subject do you believe in luck or um luck has a certain element of perspective to it right it's it's kind of like the you know because Uh, One thing I truly believe is the same thing can happen to you on different days and you can perceive it totally differently, right? So, um, and and some things are, you know, kind of uh, absolutely bad, right? Like no, no, no one would say that, you know, you getting a horrible disease is is somehow, um, you know, totally a good thing and, and you could just walk that off, right? Um, but I think there, you know, even, even that, like there are people who've gotten sick and then they change their life and the sickness is bad. Like that's bad luck, but that can help them somewhere, you know, along the future if, if they recover. So I think there's a huge element of perspective to it. Um, whether there is such a thing as luck or not, we'll, we'll say, we'll hold off on that (laughs) as we go through the episode, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Well, one of the things that I would say is I think mindset has got so much to do with it. I think we all know somebody that leaves the house in the morning and from the minute they leave, they shut that front door is nothing ever good ever happens to mm. me. What's the point in doing the lottery? I'm never going to win the lottery. I'm never going to own my own business or I'm never going to be successful in life. And if you're walking around with that kind of mindset that nothing good is ever going to happen to you, you're almost inviting bad luck onto yourself and whether luck is real or not. But again, I think it's more about your mindset and how open you are to change, evolving and adapting to whatever surroundings you find yourself in. All right. Well, let's take a look at our first clip um, by a gentleman giving a, I think it's a graduation speech who uh, people may say uh, has lived a pretty incredible life. So let's see what he can teach us about luck. Reed College at that time offered perhaps the best calligraphy instruction in the country. Throughout the campus, every poster, every label on every drawer was beautifully hand calligraphed. Because I had dropped out and didn't have to take the normal classes, I decided to take a calligraphy class to learn how to do this. I learned about serif and sans serif typefaces, about varying the amount of space between different letter combinations, about what makes great typography great. It was beautiful, historical, artistically subtle in a way that science can't capture, and I found it fascinating. None of this had even a hope of any practical application in my life. But 10 years later, when we were designing the first Macintosh computer, it all came back to me, and we designed it all into the Mac. It was the first computer with beautiful typography. If I had never dropped in on that single course in college, the Mac would have never had multiple typefaces or proportionally spaced fonts. And since Windows just copied the Mac, it's likely that no personal computer would have them. If I had never dropped out, I would have never dropped in on that calligraphy class, and personal computers might not have the wonderful typography that they do. Of course, it was impossible to connect the dots looking forward when I was in college, but it was very, very clear looking backwards 10 years later. Again, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. 
You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever, because believing that the dots will connect down the road will give you the confidence to follow your heart even when it leads you off the well-worn path, and that will make all the difference. So, Neil, what can we learn from Steve uh, on that very uh, kind of philosophical <laughs> uh, sort of part of his speech? Absolutely. I think one of the lines that really stands out in that whole speech there is you cannot connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you do have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in the future. And I think that line alone is so powerful, incredibly true, and really resonates with me. And if we look to the future now, the reality is, of course, for anyone listening is we can't see what is on that road ahead. So we do have to trust in something. I mean, did I ever think that I would end up running my own business, talking and writing about technology? No. But looking back, I remember when I was 15 years old, visiting a career advisor at my school, and they said, Neil, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, God knows what they must have thought of me. But I said, I wanted to be a radio DJ. So I wanted to explore entering hospital radio. And they kind of looked at me and said, no, Neil, you can't do that. So I said, OK, I, I want to be a writer. And they said, you can't do that either because you're not really talented enough for that <gasps> oh, no. English group. Uh, so that, that, was it. that was me shut down in flames. I wasn't the English guy. I couldn't be the radio DJ guy. Here, they said, look at these nine to five jobs with traditional roles. And I'll be honest with you, I drifted for a while and I was a, mm. a postman for a good few years. But then the arrival of the internet in the 90s kind of forced me to follow my passion and here in 2020, I'm writing and recording my three podcast shows for a living and also helping others to do the same. So after one and what, what something else I would say is after 1,300 interviews with tech leaders, people say to me, Neil, what do they do differently? What is their secret to their success? And once again, I'd say that the biggest thing that they all share, like Steve Jobs said in his speech, is they trust in something. They trust in their their gut, their destiny, karma, whatever it is, and trust that those dots will somehow connect in the future. And really, I think that's what that speech means to me. And, and it's so powerful, isn't it? Yeah, what, what I find really um, compelling about sort of your, your, your backstory or your, your origin story, so to speak, <laughs> is, um, you know, you do mention having um, drifted before, you know, finally things, you know, luckily uh, locking into place with the internet and all that. Yeah. Um, but I would say there's much more to it than that. I would say that what was so important was your kind of flame to do what you're passionate about doing wasn't as extinguished by these, let me just say, probably well-intended counselors and, yes. and, and, and at the time instructors, and they're trying to look at, okay, you know, what is this kid, you know, what's his potential? And, and they don't want to like tell you, you're going to become like, you know, the prime minister or something when, you know, that that's, you know, not on your track, but you know, how many people just totally that flame gets extinguished, right? And then that opportunity comes like the internet or someone gives them a job offer and they're just like, no, you know, that's, that's, that's not for me. Um, so I find that part of your story, you know, uh, uh, very compelling. Were there moments of, of just kind of doubt or were you always just kind of, you know, oh, I'm, I'm going to get there eventually? Because I find that interesting how people respond um, to those sorts yeah. of adversity. Well, I suppose I was never an academic guy. I was a guy, you know, quite laid back and, and appreciated a sense of fun in life and... So, yes, I was always told that I couldn't do all those things. But I, was, I would say deep down in my soul, I knew I was better than what other people with, were kind of pigeonholing me and saying yes. that this is what you can do. And I think it was that. that whereas some people, it would just hammer them down. To me, I almost wanted to use it as a, I will prove you wrong. I will prove you all wrong. And I used it to guide me rather than just, uh, you know, distinguish that, that flame, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the interesting thing is um, I've been learning a little bit about how sometimes um, success, early success, can actually be uh, crippling. If things are too easy, and it may not always be because you deserve it or it just may be circumstantial, you don't know how to react to adversity like 
in the future because it's always been so easy for you. And all of a sudden it's hard and you're like, wait a second, why is this so hard? It shouldn't, it shouldn't be hard. Well, it's hard because you don't have the skills or the ability that you really needed, but you didn't know because everything came so easily um, at the time. So uh, you hear a lot about this in people's um, lives where they are thankful for that early kind of setbacks and, and adversity. Yeah. And the thing is, I think it never leaves you either. So although now everything's going great, I'm incredibly successful at what I do, then imposter syndrome kicks in and there's a little guy sits on your shoulder and says, somebody's going to suss you out one of these days, Neil, and say, you're not good enough to do this. Off you go, please. We're going to take you away. And it's kind of funny that it never leaves you that that kind of self-doubt, but equally it drives you to make sure that you don't lose it. Yeah, I imagine it keeps your edge a, a little bit sharper. Um, yeah. Let's take a look at our next clip. Uh, it's an oldie but a goodie, uh, which kind of is a, a comedic view on bad luck. What are you doing? I propose we conduct a little experiment to demonstrate my theory. Well, what is this to do with my daughter? You know, I've been working here for five years, and the only time I've heard you mention your daughter is to relate some catastrophe that's befallen her. From all you've told me, she must be the unluckiest woman in the world. When he comes in, I ask him to sit down. Well, where? At the table. Oh, yes. You want to see me, sir? Yes. Uh, please sit down. Where? <laughs> Anywhere you want. Excuse me. Thank you, Mr. Proctor. You can go now. Where? Back to your office. That'll be all, Mr. Proctor. Goodbye. For now. All right. So, Neil, if you don't mind, uh, since folks can't see uh, every bit of the video since it's a podcast, could you just kind of explain uh, what happened there uh, to Martin Short's character? Yes. So essentially, he walked in a room with a big boardroom table with around about 20 chairs around the side. And before he entered the room, one of the legs was removed from those chairs. So essentially, he walked in, he had 20 chairs to choose from. And of course, he thought about sitting in the, the chairman's role or the director's seat, realized he wasn't quite good enough or didn't feel he was good enough to sit in that chair. And the chair he did choose was the one with only three legs and ended up falling. <laughs> what, are, <laughs> what, what, what are the chances, right? And, and what does that make you think about, you know, you mentioned before, you know, people who, who seem to have all the wrong luck or, or, or the bad luck. Um, what are your thoughts on, on, on that perspective or, or people who maybe can't seem to cut a break, you know, catch a break? Yeah. I suppose for me, this scene shows the power of your mindset again. And if you think you're unlucky, you will find bad luck and be unlucky. But with a different mindset, and we do know people with a different mindset that try and create opportunities out of challenges and make their own luck, and they often fare better. But this is where I have this love-hate relationship with luck that I mentioned a few moments ago, because with my thinking head, I hate mm-hmm. the word luck. And there is a great picture of Ed Sheeran on the internet. I don't know if you've seen this, but he was busking at 14 years old in the middle of London with nobody watching at all. Did he get lucky? No, he put in hours, days, weeks, months and years for little or no reward. And I've put this many, many stories of how he was going to clubs and open mic nights and getting absolutely nowhere. And I think people will now look at him and go, oh, look at Ed Sheeran, he's got it all, he's so lucky. (laughs) 
you know so that's one of the things that i have a, a a big problem with and i think that very often that is because we look at the success of people like sheeran beyonce and almost any sports sports star that you can think of and say well they're lucky and that's all because we celebrate the success but all those years of hard work and grind they're almost invisible to us so yeah we don't see them and that we create this myth of luck it must be the lady luck that made it all happen well, you know, that's a great uh, example. And I wonder, uh, I don't know if this happens for you. Um, sometimes we even forget ourselves, yeah. right? Like all the stuff that came before. And like when people ask us about it, we can easily gloss over all the hardships and, and make that origin story seem a lot easier than, than it actually was if we were really in the moment, you know, and, and hadn't made it yet. Yeah, and then if you look back at that the previous clip, the Steve Jobs clip, it's it's only when you you look back and join up those dots and you can start piecing it all together and how you got where you are today. So your mindset definitely plays a role in in how lucky uh, you feel, and and I feel like it can also affect what you do next, which can also make more or less. Uh, kind of kind of luck for you if it exists <laughs> i mean i always joke sometimes with, with my my wife if she's in a particularly bad mood or something i'll say to her even one of those moods today where you could have a winning lottery ticket in your hands and you'll say yeah but it's no good because it's screwed up and it's creased and <laughs> it's so much about that mindset you know and how you perceive what's in front of you and what you can achieve i'm gonna ask you about something here what do you think about the fact that maybe luck is different for different people, right? Like yeah. you could get offered a job doing another podcast and you could be like, wow, that's amazing. But then there's someone else who really hates their podcast job and they get asked to do another podcast and they're like, oh my God, I'm so unlucky. Why did they pick me? So, I mean, it's just, what do you think about that? Because it's, it's, it's interesting how I'm coming to the point to believe that there is no absolute like good or bad thing to happen. Like a lot of it is colored by your own circumstance and perspective. Absolutely. And we all think that the grass is green and no matter how well we're doing, we'll see somebody on social media or somewhere that seems to have it better than us and just seems to understand everything perfectly. But that's not the case. And that example you just used there, my son at the moment, he mm. wants to be a graphic designer. And, okay. Uh, obviously there's so many graphic designers out there. So he's honed in on the niche of animation and he's fantastic at Adobe Illustrator and he's nice. creating animations that, that are not seen anywhere else. And of course he ended up getting this job for this company and he wants to learn how to do all the other things. That's great. At part of being a graphic designer, but everyone sees him as the animation guy. So he is, <laughs> he's got this huge talent. He is great at it. It's what makes him stand out from the crowd. But now he's pigeonholed as the animator guy. So it's quite funny, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I'll be interested to see how that uh, pans out in his career. That's, uh, that's definitely something that people experience. All right. Well, let's take a look at a next clip. Um, very comedic uh, in nature, not a, not a serious look at luck. But uh, let's take a look how uh, people can find and lose luck. Lloyd. First Mary dumps us, then the cops take our nest egg, then our hog breaks down. Yeah! When are we ever gonna catch a break? Hi y'all. Hey Alihupa. Hey guys. We're going on a national bikini tour, and we're looking for two oil boys who can grease us up before each competition. You are in luck. There's a town about three miles that way. I'm sure you'll find a couple guys there. Okay, thanks. Bye. Hey, doll. You realize what you've done? Hey! Hey! 
have to excuse my friend. He's a little slow. The town is back that way. Lucky guys are gonna be driving around with those girls for the next couple of months. Yeah. Don't worry, we'll catch our break too. Just gotta keep our eyes open. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Neil, what can we learn from our uh, dumb and dumber friends? I hate to say it, but again, I think there's so much to be learned from there, from the mindset and opening your eyes up to opportunities that surround you everywhere. And one of the reasons this clip makes me smile as well is because when I, when I just, when I think that I've reached a certain age where I understand life, look, success, the older I get, the more I feel that something else might just be going on because I'm not a religious man by any, uh, any stakes, but Again, after 1,300 interviews and looking at my own life, it increasingly feels like that when we put the hours in, it's almost like the universe gives us that little nudge in the right direction. And just thinking about that point alone blows my mind. I mean, for example, I've spoken with startups who have hit rock bottom and then mm-hmm. bumped into a venture capitalist that would fund their company at the last possible moment when they were waiting at a luggage carousel. Then wow. there was a guy that needed a, there was another guy that needed a developer to bring his vision to life. And he ended up sat next to his future co-founder at 30,000 feet on a plane. <laughs> and there's so many stories like that. And in my own journey, the love and support gained from people such as yourself, John White, Sarah Elkin, Susan Rooks, Larry Boyer, Heather Younger, the list goes on and on. But I think it's the people that you surround yourself with and open yourself up to opportunity. I think that just plays such a big part. But you've got to read the signs and help others and support those on on your journey too. And almost like you're creating good karma or good good luck by by doing the right thing. I don't know if I'm going a bit cheesy there in my old age. Ah, well, you know what I love about what you just said that that concept of um being open yeah right to the opportunity because i mean we probably will never realize it but there's probably multiple occasions in all of our lives where someone was really trying to like help us out and we just didn't see it or maybe we did but we closed ourselves off to it and we said no 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 don't help me right like they're going out of their way they don't have to do something nice for us but for whatever reason, whether it's fear or we're not ready, we, we actually close ourselves off from it. And it's almost like we're, 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 we're kicking luck in the face, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, and you wait for Uber to come out. And then when Uber does come out, you say, well, I had the idea for Uber originally, but I didn't do anything about it, you know? <laughs> oh, my gosh. So who would you say... Uh, you know, whether luck exists or not, who, who would you say when you think of someone like, wow, they're, they're a really lucky person. Is there a single person uh, in, in your life who just seems to be extraordinarily lucky? Uh, not lucky, no. I think because I have this love-hate relationship with luck, we've replaced luck with serendipity. I think okay. we're okay. all surrounded by happy accidents in our lives where something bad happens, but something good comes out of it. And again, we're back to mindset, how we interpret it. Are we open to those opportunities that could come from that bizarre twist of fate on a Wednesday afternoon somewhere that makes you go slightly off course and maybe even pivot slightly, but then great things happen from that. What what bothers me is, is that really a happy accident or did the universe put something in our way to just give us a little gentle nudge back in the right ah. direction? But that, but that just drives me crazy if you think about it too hard. Yeah, yeah. Your mind can definitely be uh, be spinning a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever heard the story about the, um, I think it's a, a Chinese folktale about the uh, farmer who uh, had this wonderful horse and his horse runs away and all his neighbors come over and they commiserate and they're like, oh, you know, that's so awful. You know, you had this beautiful horse and now it's gone. And then the farmer's like, well, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad, something to that effect. And, you know, a week later, that horse brings back a whole bunch of other like wild horses. And so now he's going to be, you know, much richer. 
And then everyone's like, oh, you're so lucky. You know, you have this, you know, you, your horse brought back all these other horses. You're a lot richer. It's great. And then he says, well, maybe so, maybe not. And then what happens is his son is like, you know, training or riding some of the horses and his son falls and breaks his leg, gets injured pretty severely. And then all the neighbors again come over and say, oh, you know, you're, you're, you're got such bad luck. You know, your poor son. I bet you wish that the horses had never come. And then he's like, ah. I don't know. And then the military comes and they take all the fighting age men and they draft them out, you know, to go to war. And obviously a lot of them are not going to come back, but his son isn't drafted by the military because he's injured so severely. So he gets to stay, you know, at home and it goes on and on. Right. It's, it's, it's like, you could just extend the story like ad infinitum. Um, and, And that always makes me think like, do I really know, am I in a, position to really perceive going back to the Steve Jobs thing and connecting the dots, what is really good or lucky for me or, or not? Absolutely. And when we first began this podcast, you were talking about the book you were reading, which referenced Texas Hold'em and card Mm. playing and things. And I think there's so many analogies around life and that too, because we're all given a hand at any moment in, in our life. And yes, it might be a bad hand. It might be a good hand, but you've just got to make the most of that hand and hoping that it will lead to something better further on down the line. And once again, it all comes back to that Steve Jobs quote, doesn't it? You're a metaphor guy, Neil. I like that. (laughs) I love it. I appreciate a good metaphor. All right. Well, let's take a look at our last clip. This is one of our family's favorite kind of movie series, the the Rocky series. The the earlier ones, I think, uh, have a special place in our heart. But let's take a look uh, at what we can learn from Rocky. You ain't going to believe this. But you used to fit right here. I'd hold you up and say to your mother, this kid's going to be the best kid in the world. This kid's going to be somebody better than anybody ever knew. And you grew up good and wonderful. It was great just watching. Every day was like a privilege. Then the time come for you to be your own man and take on the world, and you did. But somewhere along the line, you changed. You stopped being you. You let people stick a finger in your face and tell you you're no good. And when things got hard, You started looking for something to blame, like a big shadow. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. I'm always going to love you no matter what, no matter what happens. You're my son, you're my blood. You're the best thing in my life. But until you start believing in yourself, you ain't going to have a life. Don't forget to visit your mother. Wow. So what's your reaction to that scene, Neil? First of all, such a powerful, powerful scene. And I love how he finishes it with, don't forget to visit your mom. Almost like a a mic drop moment there, wasn't there? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, for me, I would say that the Rocky movies have had a significant impact on my life. And between me and you, Joe, I still know almost all of those movies word for word. A big part of my childhood. And, uh, and I'm going to sound like an old man here, but growing up, these movies taught me that no matter how much people write you off, you really can achieve anything that you want if you just throw your heart and soul into it. But I know that's now seen as being a little bit cheesy, but I think we've lost that somewhere along the way. And instead, people are just looking down at highlight reels of others on social media, endlessly scrolling down, thinking, why can't I have that? And then begin to start feeling negative emotions. And 
the phone in all of our pockets offers limitless possibilities. It's permanently connected to the internet. And me and you, Joe, remember a time when we didn't have that. And if we wanted to learn a new skill or find new information, we had to go down to the library, which again mm-hmm. makes me sound old. But we literally have the world at our fingertips. And yet we choose to endlessly scroll down, looking at what others are doing. And yeah, I'm conscious some might say it's easy for me to say, but it is because I've lived it. I left school at 16. I was told to give up on my dream. And yes, it took me 25 years to get here, to get where I wanted to be and taking a few knocks and keep moving forward along the way. And some people asked me while I was on that journey, Neil, why are you working on a podcast? Why are you working a day job, then doing a podcast at night? and not getting paid for it. I don't understand. Mm. But ironically, they're the people that are saying to me now, Neil, you're so lucky you are. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and I, and I, but I would say, though, although turning up and persevering is crucial, I think that learning from those mistakes, those knocks, those missteps, and the little pointers, pointers that life gives you along the way, I think that is so important too. So it's a bit of a mixed bag of everything, but wow, what a powerful clip. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that's interesting to me about what you're saying and and also the clip is, you know, how much energy do we spend on should or could versus, okay, this is what I got, whether it's good or bad or otherwise, and what am I going to do with it now? Because it seems to me that the more any amount of energy you spend on sort of commiserating with whoever, complaining, whatever. I mean, sometimes you need to let that out. But the the more time you spend on that, it's actually less energy and time you have left to actually doing something about it and and making progress. Because I can stay in that miserable state as long as I feel like it, right? Yeah. And there's a few things that have really impacted me throughout my life as well. And there was one where I spent best part of a year in a children's cancer ward, which was horrific, you know, but there's these mm. children fighting for their lives mm. and never once did you see them complain or whinge about anything. So that's made me mm. very sensitive to any form of complaining. Then I've spent time in a nursing home where you see people at the end of their life talking about regret and things that they wish they would have done. And none of it is more work. Of course, it's all the other things in life. And then finally at the end of our life, when you go to a funeral, no matter how popular people are for the the saddest part of that is there's probably 20, 25 people in a room. So while we're spending the rest, most of our time looking at what others are doing and worrying about what other people are thinking about us and, Will they laugh and point if we fail? Then ultimately, nobody cares. They're they're all too busy doing their own thing, aren't they? Well, what I love about what you just said is, although the topic of this podcast has been luck, um, it seems to me that perspective—you know, the the way you look at things and the way you um, feel about things—has an outsized effect on how we experience things and also like on our results because you can really get stuck in that kind of negative downward spiral. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it is such a, a big topic, but I think again, back to the Steve Jobs thing, we can't see what's ahead of us. And it's only when we, we look back that we can see how it all falls into place. And I can see how me spending time on that cancer ward probably changed my mindset and seeing the lives of the ones that I, I love the most and family members and the struggles that they've had and family and friends too. And all that over time shapes you and helps you become that. You know, although I'm doing the tech thing now, we're back to the IT meeting rooms and me being the guy sat in there thinking nobody's understanding what other people are talking about. That was another one of those pivotal moments that shapes you. And okay, well, I can fix that going forward in something that I want to do. And it is, it's not until you look back that you can see how you got where you are right now. Well, final question before we uh, proceed to the wrap up. Is there such a thing as good and bad luck, Neil? What what do you think? And it's okay to say you're still not sure. (laughs) Um, I'm still not sure. It's it's something that I would love to learn more about. But I would say in my heart of hearts, I believe in happy accidents, embracing serendipity and going with the flow and not being afraid to if life takes you down a road that you're not too familiar with to keep that curious mind, have that curious mind open and go for a wander and see where it takes you. That's what I would say. 
All right. The final word from Neil on uh, <laughs> on his views <laughs> on luck, and and I've really enjoyed this conversation. What what I've taken away from it is is the perspective that certain people, and 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 I will in, include you in this group, I feel will always be lucky. Will always um, have serendipitous things happen to them because of the way they choose to move through life and and their attitude, their perseverance, their commitment, doing the things that are needed. Um, I feel whether there is luck or isn't luck, um, those types of people will always do the best that they can possibly do given whatever they get. So I'm so glad uh, to count you among my friends and colleagues and then have this wonderful talk with you. Um, it's been a real treat. Uh, to talk and hear your expertise and perspective on luck. What things are you working on and how can our audience get in touch with you? Sure. Well, my website is techblogwriter.co.uk. My email address is techblogwriteroutlook.com. You can find me on all social channels, just at Neil C. Hughes. Things I'm working on, I've got my daily tech podcast, which is Tech Talks Daily, which you can find on any podcasting platform. But I've also got two new podcasts out when one daily tech podcast is not enough. If people did somehow want more, there is Tech Fusion by Citrix Ready, which I'm hosting and Switched On Thinking uh, by Netgear, which is another podcast I'm hosting. And I've also had a book, Great TED Talks on Innovation. That's available on Amazon right now. But apart from that, I'm going to try and take my foot off the gas a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for uh, mentioning the book. I uh, received the book as a gift uh, from Neil last time we were together, and I read it. And what I really loved about it is TED has almost suffered from its own success, where now there's almost like too many TED Talks on everything. And, you know, you click on a, it used to be when it first started, you click on any TED Talk and your mind would be like, boom, be blown. But now there's like so much out there and there's so many different venues that it's, it's, it's hard to tell whether what you're going to get is good or not. And it's, you know, 11 to 20 minutes of, of, of your life. Um, so what I found really great about your book is I know one, what the topic's going to be about and whether I want to listen to it. And I know that you've pre-screened it to be, you know, an impactful talk. So then if I say, oh, I want to pursue that topic more, I can, I can go in. And so, yeah, I mean, how has the reaction been to the book? What has been the uh, response? It's funny you should say that because it's probably a great moment to end on because that book was possibly a moment of luck or serendipity. Yes! <laughs> I literally had an email from from a publisher, I think it was about 12 months ago, saying, Neil, we love your work and everything you're putting out there. Would you be interested in writing a book on TED Talks on the subject of innovation? And yes, I've watched TED Talks, but if the idea of sitting down and watching two, 300 of them and putting them into some kind of coherent format that would actually help people innovate and become uh, better innovators uh, was just completely out of the blue. So, of course, one of my biggest problems in life is I say yes more than I say no. So I said, yes, of course, count me in. A month into it, I was starting to regret my decision because watching Tech Talks is great, but watching hundreds of them and then having to write down and was, uh, was, was quite something. But again, back to that guy in that IT meeting room, I'm, I'm, I was getting probably a little bit tired of innovation being a bit of a buzzword where you chuck in mm. some uh, bean bags, a foosball table and go, who's the creative guys here sit in that room and, and go out there and innovate. And it's not as simple as that. You need structure and it's more about people and giving everybody a voice at the table. So how can I put all that into one format where anybody can pick up the book and think, how can I adopt uh, or increase uh, culture change? How can I adopt that in the organization? How can I, how can we move forward with ideas and not just throw money at something that's not going to solve any real problems? So, it was quite therapeutic in some ways for me to be able to put all that together into a book. So let's end on that note. What was the name of the book again, just for the audience? It was Great TED Talks Innovation. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Neil, thank you for sharing your insights on why it works. Thank you for having me, Joe. Hopefully if they ever let me fly again, we can have another Shake Shack. Oh, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor, and I have some exciting news to share with you. 
If you listen to Why It Works, you probably know I love audiobooks. I listen to about one a week, which equals over 50 new books a year. After much cajoling and inspiration by my good friend, Luis Rosado, I just released my own audiobook, Unlock Your Charisma. I'll share the link in the show notes and on my website at www.connectioncounselor.com slash why it works. Have a listen so you can be seen, be valued, and be chosen. I love creating why it works for you, but lately there's been a problem. I have these amazing, insightful guests, and sometimes I want to go deeper with them, but that would take us too far off topic. So I've created a second podcast to scratch that itch. As a preview, here's the opening. Ever get the uneasy feeling that you've been fed a lie? Not just any lie, but one that you have believed your entire life and which has guided many of your decisions. Most of the time, we shake off this feeling and go about our lives. But what if that feeling was the key to unlocking everything? I'm Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor, and on each episode of The Big Lie, we'll reveal a new lie that once uncovered has the power to transform your relationships, career, and life. Let's do this. This is going to be so amazing, and I can't wait to share it with you. Keep an eye out for The Big Lie, and if you'd like to be a guest, reach out to me at joe at connectioncounselor.com. Let's do this. Thanks for listening to this episode of Why It Works. For more information about Joquan Joe Coaching, as well as access to my articles, videos, and podcasts, visit joquanjo.com. And stay tuned for our next Why It Works adventure.